So it begins, this is unusual. Ezekiel 37 is unusual. You may know the story, but I promise you today, God's going to give you something from this story. I promise you. It begins verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear this, but this is kind of creepy. Imagine this happening to you, whether it was physically in a physical or in 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 a vision, but it was so visceral that he experienced this being surrounded. I mean, imagine that. Imagine you being plopped down in the middle of a valley of bones. Now, this, these are not chicken bones. These are not fish bones. These are not cattle bones. These are human remains. Now, we know that from verse 9, it says they were the slain. So not only are they human bones, he's actually on a battlefield. This is... is This is the group that lost the battle. And there were no survivors because in a battle, if there were survivors, they would have honored the dead and buried them. But the very fact that these dead bodies were left on the surface of the ground means everybody was obliterated. These are the defeated. It's the defeated that we're dealing with here. Now, normally, the other thing is a valley. The valley normally is the most fertile place of the ground. It's the most irrigated because the water runs downhill. And normally, the valley is, 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 has vegetation. But look at verse 2. And the Lord led me around among them, and behold, there were very many bones on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. So this, it's not only a valley that, you, that was the scene of a defeat, a major defeat. Everyone in this army was killed, but, but now these bones don't have any flesh on them. They were not honored properly as dead uh, military. Uh, we would honor. These were left and and. The vultures picked off the flesh or whatever, but now it's nothing but skulls and bones, leg bones, ribs. That's what's left and dry. Did I say dry? Very dry and very many. That's the scene. Now into this, verse 3, God asks a question. This is an amazing question. And it's a straightforward question. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? Now, I'm a preacher. He's a preacher. I've got to say, I, I, there, there are Sundays when I felt like I was preaching to a valley of dry bones. I've just got to say that. I felt like it, but but I never have. I've never really preached to dry bones. Uh, but but there are times when I felt like I was. But but I would have to say, if this was me and God asked me the question, I'd have to say, well, Lord, that's not exactly what was going through my mind. 
uh, that these bones can live. I, that's not what I was thinking at the moment. But, but that's, he didn't answer it that way. He, he answered it uh, tactfully. And he says, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> you know whether they can live or not. Uh, kind of a cool answer. If the Lord ever asks you a question, you may want to pull that one out. <laughs> you know, Lord. You know how I ought to answer this. Well, so he, he, he says, you know. Now, there was something enough in that answer. There was something enough to that answer that there was faith. Because in response to that answer, you know, Lord. You know if they could live or not. There was enough that now God gives him an assignment. And the assignment comes in verse 4. And God says, now, this is the first of three times God says, prophesy. Prophesy. We don't use that word, maybe we don't use it as much as we should. That might be a stretch. Preach, that we, we, we're good with that. Proclaim, most of us are okay with proclaim. But prophesy, well, this is what God said. Some of us are less comfortable with the word prophesy than God is. Yes. It might be good for us to get a little more comfortable with this word because it's one of God's favorites. He often says prophesy, but here's, here, here he says to this prophet, prophesy. Well, it didn't take much. And, and he obeys. And instantly, okay, now we're, we're coming back to the book of activation. And in preparation to come back to the book of activation, we are about to witness one of the greatest activation moments recorded in Scripture. Other than the creation of the world in Genesis chapter 1, I mean, we would all have to say that's the pinnacle of activation captured in one chapter of the Bible was when, when the six days of creation. That's the ultimate activation. When you think of all the activation that took place in six days, but now, who knows how long this took, but it, it appears to be um, a matter of hours, maybe less than an hour, these three levels of prophesying. So, so he, he, he prophesies. He's told to prophesy. He prophesies, and all of a sudden, now this gets really creepy, these dry, dead bones start crawling across the sand. And... And the ribs all come together, and the, the arms, and the legs, and then a skull comes over and pops in place. Imagine this. Now, it doesn't just happen once. This is a battlefield. There are hundreds, thousands of skulls and, and skeletons now forming, and then... Tendons start appearing on top of the bones. And then organs, blood vessels, and skin. Thousands of them. Okay, so that, that, he's prophesied once and that's what's happened. 
Now, to me, this has gone from bad to worse. It's one thing to be standing in a valley of dry bones. Now he's standing in a valley of corpses. There's no breath. These are all dead. He's witnessed a miracle, but this is, this is, this is a bad one. Now, now, verse 9. Now God says to him a second time, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, O son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may live. So he prophesies again. And now this time, they, every dead corpse is resurrected. Thousands of them. So many that it says at the end of verse 10, an exceedingly great army is now on their feet because he's prophesied a second time. Okay, prophecy number one is gathering. Prophecy number two is breathing. But, but so we're going to get to prophecy number three. But before then, listen to what this exceedingly great army says to each other. We don't know whether they're talking to themselves or talking to each other, but it, it, this represents their frame of mind because God is telling us what they're saying. Verse 11. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Now, are you kidding me? They've just been raised from the dead. They've just received physical breath. The army is on their feet. God has worked a miracle, and they don't appreciate it. Notice the words they even use. We, we, our. What are they thinking about? They're thinking about themselves. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. There's nothing of God's presence. There's no hope. They feel forsaken. They feel cut off. And yet they've been raised from the dead. They have physical life, but they don't have life. They have God, but they don't have hope. They're not forsaken, but they feel forsaken. They are actually a vast army, but they, they feel like a platoon that's gotten lost. So verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord. Look at verse 13. You shall know, oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on, verse 12. Behold, I will open up your graves and raise you from your grave. Now, uh, I, I feel like handing Keith the microphone and Keith singing again, get up, get up, get up, get up out of your grave. Did you know we've been seeing this for months now? 
This is right here in Ezekiel 37. It says it right there. Get up, get up, get up. Now, this is a person who's already back to life. They are breathing. They're physically not in any grave, and yet mentally, emotionally, in their framework, it's as if they're in a grave. And so, with that kind of a mindset, the third prophecy, prophesy and say to them, I will open your graves and raise you up from the graves. Verse 13, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves. There it is again. It's just he keeps repeating this four times. Oh, my people, verse 14. And I, oh, I love this one. Look at verse 14. And I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. So you've got physical life. I'm going to give you spirit life. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now just in case you think this is not for us. Ah. Just in case you think, well, this is, for a, this is for Jewish people. This is not for us as, as Christians. This, this has yet to be fulfilled for Israel, but there's no relevance or application for us as believers. Just in case you think that, I, I want to marshal a little evidence that will convince you that Ezekiel 37 is for us. Ezekiel 37 is for you. Now look at what it says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, let me ask you here this morning, how many of you know for certain that God has put his spirit in you? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Oh, so this is, this is for us. This has been fulfilled among us then why do we think that the the next chapter is not for us? When he repeats again, and I will put my spirit in you. And then on the other side, I want to go to the book of Acts. Did someone say Acts? Acts chapter 2. When God gives his spirit to his people, And over his people, Peter preaches. Listen to this. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on your men servants and on your women servants, I will pour out my spirit and they will 
Oh, what's the word? It's the word we don't use too often. Say it again. Oh, the same thing God told Ezekiel. Now, it's not just the formal prophets. It's the young ones and the older ones, the men and the women. And they will all... So Ezekiel 37 is not just for one man at one time applicable to the nation of Israel or the people, the the remnant of the Jews in the final time of history. This is for us. I want to say to you, today, you are commissioned You are ordained to prophesy. Now you may wonder, what what are you talking about prophesy? What does it mean to prophesy? Well, this morning, it's really not up to me to tell you, but but I'd say together we ought to ask God, what does it mean to prophesy? You know. (laughs) You know, Lord. Well, I'll tell you a few things that it certainly means. It means to declare out loud truth, things that we know to be true. That's clearly what it means. It means to to pray, clearly prophesy. We prophesy first, not to people, but to the Lord on behalf of people. So we declare truth to God over people. And, And Ezekiel 37 tells us that when we prophesy properly, whether we're a middle school girl or, or a retired person or an empty nester or somewhere in between, whatever your age level, if you know Jesus, it says in the last days, you will prophesy. So it's time we found out what this thing is. It does not mean that we're going to be able to predict the future. It doesn't mean that we command God. It's not my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's your will be done. Your name be hallowed. Declare the Lord's prayer. That's prophesying. Hallowed be your name over my family. Your kingdom come on earth in my family as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth in my neighborhood as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in my college, in my middle school, in my workplace, in my family on earth as it is in heaven. That's prophesying. It's simply praying the way God told us to pray. That's prophesying. Now notice the the, the progression of this prophecy. First he prophesied, prophesied of those dead bones. And he did, and they gathered. It's a good start. They're still dead, but they're gathered. Then the second, that they breathe. Breath. And they breathe. That's good. They're now t- gathered, and they're breathing. They're not doing anything. They're depressed. They're, they're self-focused. They're, they're living in the past. They're tied to their defeat. 
but they're alive. It's better than nothing. But, but the work is not done yet. Prophesy a third time. Now, what's the difference the third time? Well, they are a vast army. So the third prophecy is not take up weapons and start fighting against people. The third prophecy, they didn't get weapons, but they got an awareness of their authority, of their purpose. They were purposeless, and now they're purposeful. They were fruitless, and now they're about to become fruitful. They were hopeless, and now they become hopeful. They were self-focused, and now they're about to become missional. Hallelujah. And I want to just stand in front of Lilburn Alliance Church and tell you, rise up with your authority. Get out of your grave. Quit being self-focused. Be missional. Fulfill your purpose. Don't just have divine life. Be on divine mission. Walk under divine authority in divine authority. And I speak over these neighborhoods, all the 3,500 homes that we now visit every year. I speak over Villa Chase. Gather Villa Chase. Gather. Breathe Villa Chase. Walk in your purpose. Come under the authority of Christ and walk in the authority of Christ. It's over Firefly, over Ramsway, down to Jordan, and Hunter's Hill, Hanaria States. You name your subdivision, your apartment building. Speak to them. The, 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 the unbelievers around you, they're dry bones today. God put you there for a purpose. Speak to those dry bones. You're there to to declare the purposes of God over your community, over your schools. And this is why this is our time, church family, to begin planting churches. Because God, who's brought us together, has breathed life in us. But now he's calling us to walk in our authority, to be the vast army that he's assembled here to rise up and to serve on mission with God, utilizing the gifts even of prophecy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the word of the Lord for Lumen Alliance Church this year and in the days to come. Why is it that we've had more baptisms this year than we have had any one year in the entire 12 months. Why is it in eight months we've had almost twice as many as any year in the past 30 years? I believe in the history of the church, but I can't speak from before I was here. Why more now? Because God is putting us on mission. Now by the grace of God, we have planted I believe it's, it's 17 
churches. Almost all of them other language churches. But in these next 10 years, I believe God's going to use us to plant at least 10 churches just like this one. I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that we're not alone, but that God is raising up a church planting movement all over our region. And I'm telling you, it's our time to walk in our authority, to recognize the authority that we have in Christ and to call out to our communities, come together, receive life, be redeemed. What's the dead bones supposed to do once they've come to life and been redeemed? You go get the other dead bones. You minister to your kind. Now, how many of you can say this morning, there was a time when my life was fragmented. I was scattered and God put me back together I'm a work in process but he put me back together how many of you can say that how many of you can say God breathed new life into me how many of you are thankful that you now have a purpose that you're on mission with God that it's not all a one and done that there's progression to God's work in us and there's progression of God's work through us